and away we go. So we are still continuing our faith family portrait, a study in biblical relations through Hebrews 11. The hypothesis that we continue to work with is that ministry relies on relationships and therefore practical lessons are to be learned from the relationships of those in the hall of faith. And that's what uh, Hebrew 11 is typically uh, referred to as. And the uh, verse that we've been kind of using as our lay point is, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. So today we're going to talk about Barak. I'm going to pronounce it Barak. Other people pronounce it Barak. It doesn't really matter. Um, but for now, I'll just pronounce it Barak. Uh, I called him the humble warrior. And this is supposed to be an uh, artist rendition of him before the battle. Uh, and so he's still in Hebrews 11.32, which says, And what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, or Gideon, who we talked about last week, and of Barak, and of Samson, who we'll talk about next week, and then Mitch will finish with Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Okay. So, Barak's story um, is in Judges chapter 4, and so that's where we're going to we're gonna camp out in Judges 4 and Judges chapter 5. So, turn over there or scroll in your app and we'll go ahead and we'll get started. At first, this is me being honest, Barak really caused me to stop and think. He does not seem at first glance as someone who should belong in a list of the Hall of Faith, of people who are famous for the amount of faith that they had. But God showed me so much from his life that I could probably preach for two or three weeks on him. But we're going to do one week, so we're going to do a high-level overview here. Um, so looking at Judges chapter 4, we'll start reading in verse 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. Ehud was the judge before this time. And so if you've seen the pattern that the people of Israel have shown us uh, in the last couple of weeks of looking in Judges, we see that they just don't get it long term. Uh, they get it when it's hard. They get it when life is difficult. But when life becomes better... They're no longer in the, the problems or the troubles. They walk away from it. And so that's going to be the, the, the first point that we make, but I want to stop and pray here um, so that we can all be ready to hear what God has for us. Lord, I just uh, lift this time up to you. I, I lift this uh, these words, Lord. I feel like my, my tongue is twisted, but God, I know that you have a message for each and every one of us. And so, God, I just ask that you set me aside and speak through me. Um, let our hearts be ready to hear the message, Lord. And I just thank you for the time spent studying Barak, uh, Lord, and just being able to learn from him. And I just pray, God, that we can all take this and run with it and uh, be different tomorrow, Lord. Amen. Can you turn the record there? What's that? The record there? Please record there. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, thank you. 
So the first point that I wanted to make, and that's just living in verse 1, is it says, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So we're already seeing that this is something that happens on a regular basis for them. And so I told myself, hey, we need to get off the wheel. And you say, what wheel? Well, the hamster wheel. We have Judges 4 starting with the unfortunate state of so many people, even today. The children of Israel can't keep themselves from falling away from the Lord. So the question that I had to ask myself and I have to ask y'all, do you struggle with falling away from God and turning to a sin, to turning to an addiction, to turning to a life that you used to know? If so, let today be a day of change. Before we even get into the relationship rules, I'm calling today to be a day of change. Because you don't have to stay in the wheel. Little hamster cartoon I found. One's talking to the other saying, Hey, sometimes I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. That's so true in many people's lives. Especially with lockdowns, with all these issues. People feel like they're not getting anywhere. So God gave me three steps to having change start right now. Step number one, confess to God. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one... Oh, excuse me, 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You want to start with change? Confess to God what is keeping you from going forward in your walk with Him. And instead, as you get, I'm walking with him, walking with him, and I'm falling down, then I'm falling down. I'm walking with him, walking, and then I'm falling down, I'm falling down. We're not getting anywhere because we're stuck in this cycle. So we confess to God, hey, there is this thing that I know is tripping me up. Give that to him. Second step, confess to somebody else. James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That healed there can be physical, but it can also be healed from being stuck in this cycle of sin. If I'm willing to say, hey, Mitch, I struggle with this. I can't stop. I need your help. I need you to pray for me. I need you to say, it's okay to call me at midnight when you're struggling. It's okay to text me. It's okay to just let me know when you're struggling and I will pray for you. That's what we need. We need someone that's going to help us because... We're not here to be Rambo Christians. We're not taking on the world by ourselves. We're doing it as a group. We're doing it as whole heart, as Midtown. We're doing it as family. Step number three is we need to hitch ourselves to Jesus. Let me go back real quick. We're not confessing to each other for absolution, right? I can't save you from your sins. I can't pardon you from your sins. That's not my job. That's what Jesus does. That's why you confess to God first. You get right with Him. Then you get with somebody to help break the cycle. Because we don't want to be this guy who's just not getting anywhere and realizing it but still running. So if that is you, if you are stuck in a cycle, then today is the day of change. Today is the day to walk off the hamster wheel and start walking around the cage. Or 
getting out of the cage and start walking around and seeing where God has you need see where God needs you to go so you're able to move forward. Step number three is you need to hit yourself to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If we are connected to Jesus, we won't be able to run back into the wheel because we're connected to Him. A yoke connects two oxen together so they can pull together. If you're stuck in the yoke of Jesus by choice, it can't fit in the wheel. The only time you can get back in the wheel is when you pull that yoke off and you walk over to the wheel. But remember, you have to make sure that you're following through with the second part of what he says in 29. Learn of me. Everybody wants a quote that they can get rest from Jesus. But then they forget that there's work in learning. So my point is you don't run from the work. You put the yoke on, you get to work. Because that's where the rest comes from, in the work. Which you know, blows my mind. Jesus says, hey, I need you to work. I want you to learn from me because I'm meek and lowly of heart. But I can't give you rest until you're willing to work. So you have to be willing to sacrifice what you want to do, what you think your life needs to be so that you can do the work of Jesus, whatever that might be. Okay, so that was 10 minutes on on verse 1. So we're doing good. We're doing good. But get off the wheel. Nobody needs to see the same thing all the time. Jesus has a totally different picture, outlook on life, if you're willing to take it. All right. So point number one of the sermon is that God can and does use everyone. Yes, that includes you. And me. And anyone else that's willing to do it. Okay, so let's move forward from verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 5. It says, starting in verse 2, And the Lord sold them, the children of Israel, because they did evil again, into the hand of Jabin king of Canaan, that reigned in Hezor, the captain of whose host was Caesarea, which dwelt in Hersheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for Sisera had 900 chariots of iron. In 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. 900 chariots of iron. That's a massive army. That's not counting his foot soldiers and everybody else in it. Archers or whatever. So he had a massive army. And he oppressed the children of Israel mightily. Verse 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Israel was oppressed for 20 years before God begins to deliver them. There's a lesson that we can learn from there. Sometimes we have to go through some things to be ready to be delivered. Sometimes we have to 
answer for the choices that we made before deliverance can bring us out of circumstances. That's not easy to hear because look, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, but they still were oppressed for 20 years. He had to make sure their hearts were ready to be delivered. So what does that mean for us? That means we have to keep the faith that all things are being used for our good. Even when we're taking a little bit of a licking because of our choices, God can still use that to teach us something. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. We have to have faith that even as we are going through court or problems with our family or problems at home, it can still be used for good. That should drive us to our knees, not drive us away from God. We see Israel fall and cry unto God for help. So God, in 20 years, He sends them a new judge. And her name is Deborah. I want to clarify, in case you decide to do some of this studying on your own, look at verse 4 again. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. That's pretty clear that she was a judge, right? Says it right there. Okay. There was some crazy commentaries out there were saying she wasn't a judge, it was Lapidith and all this other... Don't, don't listen to them. Bible says she judged Israel. Got it. She's a judge. Track it. Just want to clarify that. Okay. She was a prophetess. What's that mean? It means she heard from God about the future and told Israel and it comes true. That's what a prophet does. They were the voice of God when the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit like we do. We didn't, they didn't have a direct line to be able to hear from God. They didn't have a complete word of God that they can go to and hear from God whenever they want. They had to go through the prophets. They had to go through Moses and uh, the Joshuas and, and all those people down the line to the judges, to the prophets, to be able to hear from God about what they needed to do. And that's why... Israel, in verse 5, it says, Israel came up to her for judgment. They came to her and said, Okay, we know you're a judge. Help us. What do we do? A relationship rule number one that we can talk about is that we should not be jealous if God is using somebody other than us. So if you're praying and praying and praying and God uses somebody else for whatever it is you're praying, whether it's a ministry opportunity or you're praying to lead someone to the Lord and somebody else comes in and shares the gospel and they get saved and it wasn't you, you shouldn't be upset about that. It's easy because you're like, well, I've been working on that person for two years and this person just came in and shared them. Or they come to church finally and they go up front and somebody else gets to lead them to the Lord and you're not the one that did it. Guess what? That doesn't matter. They would not have come to church. They would not have accepted the gospel if you hadn't prayed for them. You get credit for taking the time to pray for that person this whole time. That's an honor. It's amazing that God was able to use you and the other person and the other person and all the people in that person's life to finally get them to the point where they said, you know what, I do believe in Jesus and I do need Him in my Savior. 
So we don't get to be jealous if we're not the one that is the credit, the glory. A win for the kingdom is a win for us all. Praise God that person was willing to be used. Are you willing? Willing to give up your hopes and dreams to see God's work completed? If not, what is keeping you from being willing? Full of questions today. I'm not even going to answer that one. That one's for you to answer on your own. So what did uh, Deborah prophesy? What did she say? So look in verse 6. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinaham, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and the children of Zebulon? In verse 7, And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Caesarea, the captain of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. She called Barak. She said, verse 6, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded? She told him point blank, This is what you are supposed to do, and you will win. She tells him that God has chosen him and gives the specifics of the force he should take, and then declares that they're going to be victorious. So that leads us to point number two. Who needs help? Look at Barak's Barak's response in verse 8. And Barak said unto her, If thou thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. He won't go if she doesn't. That was his response. That's when, you know, you get the idea of things that make you go, hmm. He's a warrior, clearly. He's been told he's going to win. He's been told what he needs to gather. And he says, well, I won't go if you won't. Okay, well, that's interesting. So this is where there's a lot of people saying a lot of weird things. So it was hard for me to understand. A warrior who was just told he was going to win, but said he needed help. Hmm. I read one commentator who said it was because he wanted her since she was connected to God, or another one who said he was afraid. I think it was more that he knew he had weaknesses. It would not go without the help that he needed. He also was not worried about glory for himself. He was there for the children of Israel and for God. He wasn't there for himself. He was there for his family. But look at her response in verse 9. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sarah into the hand of a woman. And Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. He doesn't change his mind when she says this. He doesn't get upset. He doesn't stomp off. He doesn't throw a fit. So there's a relationship rule we can have is that you need to be willing to ask for help. 
It's not a sign of weakness when you ask for help. Asking for help lightens the load that you try to carry. There's two places to get help. Two places to lighten the load. Number one is 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon Him, upon God, for He careth for you. Go to the Lord in prayer and leave those burdens at His throne. If you remember from last week, Hebrews 4, 16, you can come unto the throne boldly and ask for help in time of grace or in time of need. And... Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye, a one, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So the two places you can go when you need help, go to the throne in prayer, and go to each other. Come to the church. Call your discipler. Get on the WhatsApp group and say, hey, I need prayer. I need help. That's what we're here for. We're here to share the gospel. We're here to grow. We're here to encourage each other. We're here to help each other. And so you don't have to bear the burden alone unless you choose to. Next point, we got to be ready to go when the time comes by preparing now. Looking at verse 10. And Barak called Zebulon and Naphtali to Kadesh. And he went up with 10,000 men at his feet. And Deborah went with him. Now Habor the Canaanite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses had severed himself from the Canaanites and pitched his tent unto the plain of Zaranem, which is by Kadesh. And they showed Caesarea that Barak the son of Abinoam was gone up to Mount Tabor. And Caesarea gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him, from Herosheth of the Gentiles unto the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up! For this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him. So what was Barak's response when they left? It was to obey right away and gather the 10,000 men that God told him he needed. He made that call. He got a hold of the leaders and the 10,000 men came down to go to war. He didn't wait, but he obeyed right away. Do you struggle with doing things when they need to be done? Do you put off things until they are more convenient? Here's an example that I've struggled with. We know we need to read the Bible every day. Because we need to hear what God has for us. We need to visit with Jesus and understand His mind and understand what it is that we need to be doing. And that's how we get to Him. We hear from Him here and we talk to Him through prayer. But sometimes, when the alarm goes off, 
it's hard to get out of bed. And so we say in our head, okay, well, I'll just snooze it one time and I'll, I'll read my Bible when I get up. But then it's too late. You got to go to work. You got to go to school. You got to go to class, whatever it is. And so you just say, okay, I'll do it later. Or I'm going to watch one more show and then, and then I'll read my Bible. Or then I'll call my disciple. Or then I'll work on my discipleship. Or then I'll work on my Bible study. But then, you know, it's late because you watch four in a row or whatever and now you're tired and so you don't do it either. And you say, okay, well, I'll just get up tomorrow and do it. I'll read two chapters tomorrow. I'll make up for it. Like it's a checkbox. We're going to make time and be willing to sacrifice sleep and self-gratification for those things that are a priority to us. So what is the Word of God supposed to be in our lives? Well, 1 Peter 2, 1-3 tells us. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted the Lord is gracious. We need to lay aside all of these fleshly things and then as babies require milk to grow we should come to this word with that same urgent need a baby cannot survive without sustenance it can't feed itself it can't wash itself it can't do anything it's re- somebody it has to be responsible to make sure that life can continue it's the same thing with your spiritual walk This has to be so important to you that you need it. That you It's not even a need. It's, it's such a desire that if I don't have this, I won't survive. That needs to be the mindset. Not just, he asked for water. Oh, great. No, we need to spend some time reading this and praying over it. And if you're not sure what it means, get on the WhatsApp. Bring it to Mitch or I or... Um, Liza or Michelle and say hey can you help me understand what this is saying I want to learn that's what we're here for we want to teach people we want to be able to help people that's what Bible studies for so you can start learning what it means to read and put it together with things how I can apply it today it needs to be so important that we have to have it you want to grow closer to Jesus you want to grow in your walk with God then you got to get in the Word. Plain and simple. There's no other way. All right, moving on. Barak attacked the enemy right away. Look at 14. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord, Lord, Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, and 10,000 men after him. As soon as he got the call to go, he went. He got the call to get the force. He said, I need help. God provided help. He did it. He went when he was told to go. There's a pattern. Do you see what it is? He didn't wait or make excuses. Here's a relationship rule number three. Obedience to God will change the nature of your relationships here on earth. Your willingness to obey God now will change how your relationships are handled, 
are dealt with, the, the very nature, people will see that you are a completely different person. Because if you're willing to say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do right now, and then I'm going to do it, you'll be willing to do that with other people too. They say, hey, you know, I'm really struggling. Say, hey, well, I'll pray for you. Well, no, I'm not going to say I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you right now. I think it's too easy for people to say, oh, I'll pray about that. Two weeks later, I'm, oh, man, I forgot you were going through that. Sorry. No, no, take the time to pray for him right then or write it down. Somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Put it on the fridge. We attempted to do this a few times where we have popsicle sticks and we're supposed to pull one out and pray for a missionary or someone in our lives that we're praying for. And I don't even know if we still have them anymore because we got pretty far away from that. But something like that too to help you remember to pray about things. That's why Mitch and Michelle send out those emails in a week. So sometime outs during the week you can see those prayer requests and we can pray for them. You will love people in a way when you obey God that is not achievable on your own. Because our flesh is naturally designed to self-preserve. And our flesh likes to extend that into what I want to do, how I feel, how I want, you know, my time to be spent, how I, you know, what show I want to watch. We're not naturally disposed to giving to be to being giving to other people. It's something that we have to learn, at least a lot of us. Point number four. Praise the Lord for the victory He has given. And so we're coming to the conclusion of Barak's... I hate to use the word story, but that's kind of the best way to describe it. Barak's time here. <clears throat> and we see some key things. We've seen Barak's not afraid to ask for help. Barak's not afraid to admit that he has weaknesses. Barak's not afraid to obey and prepare and go. And so those just those things right there, you could stop and say, man, I've that's a lot. That is a, is a man that loves his family, loves his people, loves God so much that he's ready to go and possibly die. Even in victory, they could lose people. To go to war and say, okay, God, I'm going to go and do it. I don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. The future isn't important. You've asked me to go, so I'm going right now. What happens tomorrow? Who cares? You said go now, I'm going to go now. You said do now, I'm going to do now. You can take care of tomorrow. So now we can see that he's not one to steal glory either. Let's go ahead and read through here. So look, starting in 17. Well, let's just go ahead and read through the battle real quick. <clears throat> starting in verse uh, 15. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his host with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. He jumped off his chariot and ran away. Because of what God was doing. 10,000 men defeated 900 chariots. If, if you've ever 
studied ancient battles, the chariot was very hard to overcome on foot. There were ways to do it, but it was very difficult, and usually it cost lots of people their lives to do it. So through the power of God, they were able to defeat them so handedly, their commander got off his chariot and ran away on foot. Praise God. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host unto Herosheth of the Gentiles. And all the hosts of Sarah fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. So everybody but Sisera was killed in this battle by God's host of only 10,000 people. How be it? Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Haber, the Canaanite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Haber the Canaanite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned into her, unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle, which is a blanket or a rug. And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. So, in essence, he ran probably about four or five miles away, trying to escape. He was exhausted. He had been in a battle. And then he ran. And so he was just wiped out. And so she's like, okay, come in here. Uh, Let me put this blanket over you. Here's a, here's a little bit of something to drink. And you just hide in here. Look at verse 20. Again he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be, when any man doth come and inquire of thee, and say, Is there any man here? That thou shalt say no. So he's like, Hey, go stand there, and if anybody comes looking for me, I'm not here. Then Jael, Haber's wife, so he lays down, she's covered in a blanket, she goes and takes a nail of the tent, and a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it to the ground for he was fast asleep and weary so he died and behold as Barak pursued Sisera Jael came out to meet him and said unto him come and I will show thee the man whom thou seekest and when he came into her tent behold Sisera lay dead and the nail was in his temples So God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin the king of Canaan until they had destroyed Jabin king of Canaan. The Lord brought victory to Barak and his force. But Barak did not get the glory. It was Jael who kills Sisera, the captain of the host of Jabin. But look at verse 23. Of, chapter, of Judges chapter 4. So God subdued on that day. It was never about Deborah or Barak or Jael. It is God's victory. It was God that put it in Jael's heart to take a tent spike and pin him to the ground. That's gruesome. It was God that put it, the message in Deborah's mouth to tell Barak to get 10,000 men. And then it was God that told Deborah when Barak should run down the hill and start the fight. Mm-hmm. 
It was God who gave Barak the heart to run into battle with 10,000 men against 900 chariots and all of the other people on foot. It was God that gave them the strength to discomfort them and to kill the entire army. It was God, in verse 23, who subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan. And eventually, look at 24, until they had destroyed Jabin king of Canaan. We have victory in Jesus. What do we have victory over? We have victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15, 55-57 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Barak didn't have Jesus, but he had the faith of God, and the faith drove him to do the actions that God had called him to do. If Barak had died that day, he would have gone to paradise, which is where pre-Jesus people went who had the right heart, the right faith in their heart. They had accepted God and they did the religion that God had called them to the way he told them to, and it was with the right heart attitude. And when Jesus died on the cross for our sins and their sins, he went down to paradise and he set the captives free. He took the keys with him and he brought all those people that were in paradise up into heaven with him. And that's where they are. So when we die or when Jesus comes back and calls us back, we get to go meet him. We'll get to talk to Barak. We'll get to ask him about that battle. We'll get to talk to Deborah. We won't talk to Caesarea, though. He's in another place. He's in hell. And if you have not accepted Jesus in your heart, then that's where you're going. We have victory over death if we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We also have victory over the world in Jesus. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The world can be a scary place. But nothing's more scary than spending an eternity separated from God. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, then today is the day to ask about it. He loves you so much, He was willing to die on the cross for your sins. He accepted the punishment for our sin so we could have a chance at a relationship with God the Father. Hope everyone's okay. That didn't sound good. If you want to know more about what Jesus did for you, then you need to come and talk to me or talk to Michelle or Eliza or Mitch. Get that right today. Because we don't know when the proverbial tent spike's coming for us. We don't. So what was the reaction of Barak when he found out that it was Jael that killed Caesarea? He sang a praise song. What? Yeah. Look at chapter 5. This whole chapter is called A Song of 
of Deborah and Barak. And we're just going to read the first three verses. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. When the people willingly offered themselves, Hear, O, hear, o ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Give praise to the Lord God of Israel. He gave all credit to God. Barak did. Deborah did. Do we give God the credit when we have victory in our life? Do we struggle when others have victory instead of us? Relationship rule number four. If God is getting the glory, then we should praise Him when He gives victory in others' lives. It might be that you need to spend some more time in preparation for that deliverance. It might be that God is not ready to answer the prayer that you're asking the way you want Him to, because the answer might be no. We have to be willing to accept the direction of no, to accept the not that way, but this way. Even when that way makes no sense. It made no sense when God said, hey, um, instead of drinking yourself to death, how about you join the army? And I said, uh, excuse me? But I knew if I didn't join, I was dead. I knew it. Because I couldn't stop drinking. And so I went down to the, the uh, recruitment office. I signed the paperwork. My parents said, don't talk to me again. And I said, God said to do it. So if that's what it takes, I'm going to do it, no matter what. And because I obeyed, I'm standing here. I met my wife, Liza. We've been married for not long enough. I pray there's many more years of bliss that we get to enjoy together. But one step of obedience can lead to a lifetime of moving forward in what God has for you. Alright, so in conclusion, I don't believe Barak was afraid. I don't think that was his problem. I believe he was humble. I believe he knew what God was asking him to do and instead of being having bravado and saying, oh, I'm just going to go and do this because God needs me, he said, I need help. God chose me, but I still need help. And God said, okay, I'll give you help. He didn't want nor need the glory for saving Israel. He was a soldier who was ready to give his body for the fight. He listened and obeyed at all times. The question that I have to ask us is, do we listen and obey at all times? Do we read our Bible and listen to what God is saying to us? Do we obey without hesitation? Do we give glory to God when victory is seen? These are the questions that we must ask ourselves. The answers will help us as we look to have better relationships with everybody, not just here at church, but everybody in the world. That's what Barak showed me over the last week is 
You can look at the surface of somebody's choices and judge them. But when you take the time to spend in prayer over that, you can see that God was at hand this entire time. So praise God for that. Next week, we'll be looking at Samson. I don't know how I'm going to get all that done in 45 minutes. There's a lot there. But um, praise God. Uh, We are about five minutes early, so feel free to chat amongst yourselves. Let me go ahead and pray us closed.